Welcome to the Do Divorce Right podcast. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and I'm here to help you transition through your divorce with ease and integrity, to not only survive the challenges of your divorce, but to thrive as you come out the other side of it with a much better life than you ever hoped possible. On this show, we talk about many different aspects of divorce, interview women who have their own incredible divorce stories, or those who can offer some great advice as you go through yours. The focus here is to help you find the strength and support to help you feel lighter, happier, more positive, and in a better frame of mind to face the inevitable challenges of your current journey. Welcome back to the Do Divorce Right podcast. Today, I'm very, very lucky to have the wonderful Sarah Stafford with us. Sarah Stafford is a dietitian with a mission to help women free themselves from the dieting roller coaster. And I just think this is going to be such a useful conversation for us and our listeners because, you know, divorce and separation often leads to a massive, complete overhaul, um, emotionally, mentally, and certainly physically. So I think there's a lot that we can talk about with regard to diet, how we can look after ourselves through this um, uh, through this period. And Sarah, you teach people specifically about intuitive eating, and I'd love to hear you explain what that means, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before I dive into that, I'll just preface this a little bit by saying um, I myself has, have been through divorce, so I've got a bit of you know personal experience or my own personal experience of what it was like for me. Um, so I'll be bringing, bringing that a little <laughs> bit into this conversation. Um, so I just want your listeners to know that um, I've been through it or my, my version of it um, and some things I might have experienced will be similar to what they're experiencing as well or completely different. Um, there's yeah, no right way, is there? Exactly. It's it's Everybody's journey is certainly unique, but there are lots and lots of common threads that come through those journeys. So we can always learn from each other and especially mm. those that have done it well or have come out the other side and they're as happy and glowing as you are, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. it's it's been a few years but um yeah I think we've done all right yeah. <laughs> um yes yeah, so uh, to answer your question so intuitive eating is a way of nourishing your body and developing a healthy relationship with food by listening to your body's inner signals and its needs so instead of following a diet which is very external um, intuitive eating encourages encourages you to look within and to rely on those inner instincts and inner wisdom um, to guide your eating habits so another way of reframing this is if we compare dieting with intuitive eating it becomes a little bit clearer so dieting is very external we might follow a meal plan or we might have certain rules or guidelines around what we can eat, what times we should eat. Um, we kind of tick the boxes or we might calculate calories or grams of carbohydrate or, or protein. Um, it's very numbers and, and goal focused. But essentially by doing that, it moves our awareness away from our bodies and it leads to a sense of mistrust in our bodies. So we might uh, say we're craving carbohydrate. The diet says, I'm sorry, you can't have any more carbohydrate today or more calories today. So you end up mistrusting your body. 
Um, or when you experience hunger, for example, you might think, oh, no, I've eaten everything on my list today or I've eaten everything I've been told I can eat. I shouldn't be hungry. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's very external, all that information, and what we do is led by external forces, whereas intuitive eating is complete opposite. So we... Uh, get all of our information and direction on what kinds of foods we should be eating from within, from ourselves internally. Um, the only goal is to feel satisfied, to feel really good with our eating, to feel healthy, happy and at peace with food in our bodies and the relationship we have with food in our bodies. So that attention is... As you're saying, Sorry, yeah. I can just I can imagine that this will be quite a challenge, especially when people are going through a difficult time, and especially when it's separation and divorce, because we start questioning ourselves and our abilities to make decent decisions. You know, how could I attach myself to this person and have no idea that they were cheating, or how could I decide that I was going to live forever with this person and they've evolved in a way that I don't recognize? So already it's quite challenging to trust ourselves and the decisions that we make. So how can we fast forward that trusting our bodies and trusting what's right to put in our bodies when we're already having a bit of a a struggle with that? Any thoughts? Oh, that is such a great question. Um, And the, the short answer is there's no way to fast forward it because it just takes time and it takes practice and a bit of patience so <laughs> I wish I, mean, honestly, I had we're just gonna put that we're going to put that on a great big social post it all it just takes time and patience all of it does and trusting yourself uh, absolutely and it takes um mistakes and errors and falling over a few times and and yeah perhaps maybe not trusting your body uh once or twice or, or more but um when you bring the awareness to what you're eating and how you're nourishing yourself, then hopefully you can pick pick that up and um, give yourself a bit of grace and uh, you know a a, um, a bit of sympathy and be able to to look at that as a learning experience. You know, okay, I overindulged. I ate a whole block of chocolate and I feel like shit. <laughs> um, I hope that's okay. Language on this yeah, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. Um, so you know that's a learning experience and that's something that you might take forward with you um, rather than punishing yourself and feeling guilt and and shame yeah. and starting the diet again on Monday it's like okay well um, that didn't quite work I feel awful I feel terrible in myself in the way my body feels not from a, a perspective of guilt but from that very physical sense of how does that food feel in my body feels like shit I've you know my blood sugars have gone up and now they've crashed and I just feel really awful um, so yeah that that's one way of increasing that trust is is by looking inward and listening to what your body is telling you and honouring that. I kind of heard three things in that. The first was the awareness, so bringing awareness to what it is that we're craving or needing or wanting. Second was not having any judgment on ourselves for either what it is that we're craving and needing or what it is that we have done. And the third I got from that was some easy forgiveness. Yes. 
Oh, you've really um, picked out the the most pertinent parts of intuitive eating. Um, and I will just add to that as well to that list is uh, respect, self-respect. Yeah. So respecting your body and yourself enough. Yeah, and then I think it comes to learning, isn't it? So once yeah. we've taken those steps, then well, what have we learned here? Well, let's go back again. Awareness, how am I feeling? Let's not be judgy about it. Let's forgive ourselves absolutely. for anything that feels outside of bounds. Let's have respect and let's learn some yeah. more. All right, absolutely. Well, we'll that into a five-step process. I love it. <laughs> uh, it's oh, at 10 steps at the moment. but uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah. I know it's complicated. I, I don't complicated. I don't even intend to simplify. Um, I wanted to talk to you about divorce dieting. Now, this is, it's a bit of a catch-all phrase, um, and I I don't actually think it rings true. However, there's a, um, what's the word? There's there's a theory that when people go through divorce, they, they lose a lot of weight. Now, my perspective on that is actually we've probably gained a lot of weight in the unhappiness leading up to that decision and then we lose it kind of whether it's intentional or unintentional um the unintentional piece will be where it's essentially just deep unhappiness and people not looking after themselves and then they shed the weight the happier version of that is i want to be the best version of myself and i'm going to you know work out and eat well and and evolve Either way, there seems to be this pretty significant change and uh, an assumption that there's a divorce diet. Um, when it comes, you're going to lose lots of weight. What would you advise for people to do that in a respectful, gentle way, knowing that it is such a tough time? And either maybe we could approach those two situations differently. One is I'm making concerted decision to evolve my body. And the other is I just feel like rubbish and, you know, I'm in such a deep, deep, dark place that the weight drops off. That's a really huge... I don't know if there was a lot of a question in there. What (laughs) advice would you give or what prepare people for for those? Well, I think the first thing I would like to say is that our bodies change and evolve over time and that is completely 100% normal and okay. So for whatever reason, and it might be, yeah, you're in a shitty relationship and you might be using food as an, as an emotional outlet or crutch, or, um, yeah, you might be intentionally trying to reduce your weight. Um, I've heard the uh, the diver- divorce diet being called the FU diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look amazing. The revenge yeah, diet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the re- revenge diet, yeah. So, you know, for whatever reason, um, I just want to normalise that bodies change over time and that's absolutely normal and okay um but the reasons behind it can be very very complex and very varied so yeah how do we boil this down um into some some recommendations i wonder if Um, a nice way in might be well how can we let's address the the more negative piece where maybe people are not looking after themselves well and the, the weight is dropping off unintentionally yeah yeah, that's a great place to start. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about that a little more. Yeah, so um, if yeah, if you're finding that the the weight is falling off and it's not intentional, um, it and it might be as a result of um, you know, not having nourishing meals like you know, well balanced or even a proper meal like sitting down and enjoying a meal. You you might just be snacking on the run. Um, 
you know, just grabbing on going because, uh, you know, your home life is changing. You don't have to prepare an evening meal or a lunch meal mm-hmm. for your, your family anymore. Um, I would just, I'd like people to remember that, you know, nourishment and nutrition can be seen as as the ultimate act of self-care, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, and knowing, understanding that, Appetite can be severely affected by um, stress and anxiety. So it's really common when you're going through those periods of intense emotions and and stress um, that nutrition and the the interest in food can can drop off a fair bit. So I would just really encourage you just to to bring that awareness back um, and try and view nutrition as a way of looking after yourself and nurturing yourself through this difficult time i feel a a bit of a challenge there which is um we've lost appetite uh things are stressful just trying to get you know just trying to get from day to day so we've lost our appetite and yet intuitive eating is trying to listen to what our needs are if we've lost that appetite then we're not getting that signal anymore to look after ourselves how can we hone that a little bit or make it louder and remind ourselves to to take care of ourselves yeah, great question. If we are really, really listening and really tapping in, your body will be communicating that to you. Unless, and I'm going to just do a little asterisk here, unless you have uh, a significant history of of dieting and you don't have very reliable um, hunger and fullness signals, then yes, perhaps you won't be getting any of those signals anyway. Um, but if you've had a relatively healthy relationship with food and you know that you do experience hunger and fullness, then um, it's really a, a just doubling down on that that awareness and and giving yourself that time and space to sit um, perhaps before a meal and after a meal and and taking that awareness inwards. So the appetite signals might have changed a little bit. You may not get the very strong hunger or, or strong fullness signals, but it, it might have, have changed in, in very subtle ways. So hunger might um, present as uh, like emotion change. That That's one thing that can, can happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so you can become a little bit, you know, short-tempered. You know, you've heard hangry so hangry doesn't necessarily mean that you know you've got a really strong strong gut sensation it might be more of like an abrupt emotional change or emotional state change um sometimes hunger can feel like weakness or tiredness or a sensation in the throat um in the head you might feel a little bit lightheaded or just not really um on the ball mentally so I would be looking out for all of those really subtle um, signals from the body and giving yourself the space and time to check in. Okay. Do you you talk to people about habits at all, how to create healthy habits in, you know, looking for creating this awareness space or do you talk to people about that? I guess Absolutely. the reason, yeah, you do. Okay, yeah, I've been yeah, listening to and I've read Atomic Habits some time ago. I've been listening to some mm. fantastic podcasts about you know how do you 
get rid of terrible habits? How do you introduce good habits? And I was just thinking as you were saying that, you know, creating that time and space to be able to listen. You you touched on a few behaviours there that were good habits too, which was to take a moment before your meal, take a moment after your meal. And it's really struck, like it's a challenge for anybody to, to take a moment to do anything, but we are just talking about micro moments, aren't we? We're just yes. be able to acknowledge what's on our plate before plowing into it. Or absolutely, I've got a little bit of a rule at home, which is no standing and eating. If it's if it's worth eating, you can sit down to do it, right? And, yes. and the children are not allowed to eat on the sofa. Just sit down. Just sit down at the table. I don't even care if you've got your mobile phone with you, but just make this yes. a a moment. You, you're acknowledging that you're eating something. No mind. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I I support that wholly and there's quite a lot of research around that um, in terms of uh, increasing your sense of satisfaction with a meal. If you're eating and you're distracted watching TV or reading your phone or reading a book or driving or even just standing in the kitchen, um, you're far more likely to eat more than you would if you had sat down and removed your distractions and brought a bit of mindfulness to the meal. And to eat the wrong quality of stuff, right? You're more likely to reach and take the whole bag of of potato chips rather than just pour a bit on your plate because that's a nice little addition. Absolutely, absolutely. So that makes a huge impact. So even the the feel of the cutlery, the colours and the the texture on our plates, um, the room environment, if it's busy and noisy or if it's, you know, calm and relaxing or what the the lighting is like. So all of those things play into um, that level of satisfaction and um, the quantity of the the types of meals that we're eating as well. All of that talks to me about self-care. Like you were just talking about nourishment being a, what was your word, the ultimate act of self-care. All of those, like creating a beautiful environment to have a meal, um, you know, sitting down, actually appreciating the lighting, you know, turning the television off, all of that does yeah. look really lovely. Let's yes. bring in a complication then. So let's imagine when she is at home alone and, you know, she doesn't have to create a family meal anymore, perhaps she's going to make an effort to do a nice, breakfast or a nicer meal and sit and and eat that on our own but let's add some children to the mix where it's a little bit challenging there's my questions around this are you know those healthy habits I guess but even more so if we are trying to be better at intuitive eating which is really listening to our body and what our body's needs are we can't intuit somebody else's needs Hey. So how do we, like the meal plan I love because I love being an organised human. This is not me, by the way. I'd love to be an, a meal planner. Um, you know, somebody who does need to predict and prepare for the children when they're when they're parenting, how can they create some intuitive eating elements for the children as well? Oh, this is such a great question. I'm really glad you answered that you asked this. Um, so it's a really common question when it comes to intuitive eating because you know the message is I need and what yeah, I need. Tune in, 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tune into yourself and, you know, ask yourself what would feel really, really good right now? What's going to satisfy me? That's in terms of, you know, texture and flavour, consistency, all of those sorts of things. And that's well and good when you're just nourishing yourself. But when you've got other people to think about and all of their needs, yeah, it gets very, very complex. So when it comes to meal planning, now I, I fully support meal planning for busy families or even, you know, just busy people. I think meal planning just takes off that mental load each day. So I fully support that. And my my recommendation there is you're actually not going to be able to please everybody, but bring in a bit of flexibility where able. So it might be that, um, you know, you've planned a particular meal for tonight but you just don't feel like it, (laughs) Um, can you move on to another meal that you might have um, planned for, you know, tomorrow or later in the week? Or is there something in the freezer that you can draw down on um, instead? So give yourself a bit of flexibility to pick and choose within your your plan. Mm -hmm. Um, And when it comes to the kids, so... This is a really great, and it's a huge topic. We could talk for hours on on families and kids. Um, so when it comes to the kids, we the parents' role is to decide what what the family is going to eat um, and when, and it's the children's role or the child's role to decide if they eat and how much. Okay. Um, so we call this the division of responsibility. Um, so the child then, you know, they don't have they don't have control over what come what food is put onto the table necessarily. We can ask for their input, and I'd really they encourage. They can be an influencer, but they don't get to make the decision. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, the parent does decide, and I would yeah really encourage and welcome parents to bring their children into the kitchen with them and making food decisions and all that kind of stuff. Like that's a really really important skill for them to have. But at the end of the day, it's really up to the parent to decide what actually makes it to the table that night. But then when you're at the table, the child then is responsible for deciding how much they're going to eat Mm -hmm. and what they're going to eat. And this is where it's really hard as a parent because we come to the table wanting them to eat all the, you know, the healthy, nourishing foods. We want them to nourish their bodies and learn to love veggies and to, you know, do all the right things. Um, But we have to step back a little bit to allow the child to to explore food and and to find out what they really like and to be able to listen to those messages that are coming from their bodies. So, I mean, children, babies are born as perfect intuitive eaters, they know what their body needs and they know how much they need. I mean, you can't overfeed a baby. You can't. It's as we get older, us as parents start to, um, start to bring in our own um, ideas and thoughts about nutrition. And we start to put those rules and ideas on, on our children. And we, inadvertently we don't mean to but we lead them away from their own bodies we lead them away from listening to their own bodies finishing everything on your plate yes my least favorite idea yeah yes yes. i've got a question so you mentioned the parent gets to decide the what and the when and the child gets to decide the if and the how much 
the when. I've got some questions around this because um, I just feel like there's an old-fashioned way and there's so my partner and I have different parenting um, ideas and philosophies as, you know, any two humans raising another human will do. And uh, I'm just going to use this as a as an opportunity to get some one-on-one advice. <laughs> um, so I find him quite old-fashioned. He thinks the children should eat three meals a day and, you know, maybe a small snack after school. I feel like they should have five smaller meals, you know, so long as the, the there's healthy options in there. Tell me more about the, the when. Ooh. Is that something decided as a family? Is that something decided by, you know, that's a parent choice? but isn't there some children impact in there as well? And like, you know, blood sugar levels and I don't, I don't know what the answer is here. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think there, <laughs> sorry to say, but I don't think there is a hard and fast answer to this because everybody is different and every every child's biological needs will be different because they'll be going through different growth spurts at different yeah. times. So there'll be times where one child might need a hell of a lot more than they normally do and they're, you know, they need those snacks between meals. We, I think we need to remember that, you know, kids' tummies are smaller, so mm. their, their capacity is smaller, so they do tend to need more frequent meals or snacks. So I'm probably a bit more, more supportive of that kind of approach. But at the end of the day, you've just got to do what works. Like if yeah. you try to do the breakfast, lunch and dinner and the kids are starving between then that's not great either because we mm-hmm. don't want them to be sitting with hunger. Like That's not very comfortable. So, that yeah, in that instance, it would make absolute sense for them to have a snack in between. Um, and I, I think it's also important to ask ourselves where, do, where does it come from for us as well? So is the five smaller meals a idea or rule that we've picked up from our own experience with food and dieting in our bodies like has that come from um uh yeah is that is that a rule that we've created around food and is that something that we want to pass down something yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, well put yeah so um just thinking about those messages that we're passing down to our children as well okay that's really interesting i love this and if the children get to choose the if um, what are the consequences to that? Like ah. An hour later when it, when they are, yeah. or are they like, it's off the table? So, now. <laughs> such, a good, such a good question. Uh, We're not sorry. running a cafe. Mum's cafe is closed. <laughs> yeah, there's no short order cooks. No, no, no. <laughs> no. There's ways of accommodating. Um, so, so I'll come back to the um, after, um, sorry, that question you asked. I'll come back to that in a second but when it comes to like different preferences at the table as well that is another layer of complexity because you might have one kid that really loves this and doesn't love that and it's almost impossible we've got five kids in this house and it's it it is a challenge but how i've overcome that is by um I guess meals that have a few different elements to it so the kids can kind of pick and choose and put together a meal that suits them. So lots of deconstructed meals um, and different elements that that they can, can work with. So I'd always encourage you to have a food that's really comfortable and safe for kids. So, you know, 
plain pasta or rice or baked potatoes or something like that is usually really well tolerated by kids. They're pretty simple in their tastes usually. Um, Serve that separately to say like the the sauce component of a dish and then you might have a salad or some extra veggies on the side and then they can put it together how they like that's really Um, smart I love that yeah so there's there's that and then if they choose not to eat the meal so if they come to the table say they've had a really big snack in the afternoon and um they come to the table and they're not particularly hungry we can (laughs) I, I, yeah, okay, so it would be about how you frame, the, like the conversation that you have with that child and how you frame mealtimes with them. So I would be saying, look, this is the main meal of the evening and, um, you know, this is your opportunity to eat before we, you know, pack everything away and tidy up for the evening and then we all go to bed. So ask the child do you think you can make it through to the morning without without a meal and yeah. give them the opportunity to 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 check in with themselves depending on their age it may not be age appropriate um it might be that they just need to wait half an hour or so um and perhaps come to the table or or sit with sit with the family at the table and maybe just eat something towards the end of the meal um but yeah try to get the child to to consider the consequences of what happens if they don't eat. Yes. And that conversation you have around that time, I think, um, will help them to to listen and, and tap into what's going on in their body. Um, and it might be, yeah, they go to bed without a main meal and they're hungry and they learn from that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've um, learned a lot in that, actually. There was, there was such a some such great takeaways there about how to um, manage meal times with different kinds of eaters and managing the intuition of others as well as your own. I love that idea of deconstructed meals. So having the pasta separate to the sauce, separate to some veggies or whatever it is that you're doing. We have, you know, tacos quite often or wraps quite often and you get yeah. to make them yourself with whatever you want on there. I think they're yeah. really, really useful and practical ideas as well as having those conversations with your children about do you think you can make it to the morning without a meal without saying eat up because I'm not I'm not reheating this as all your own <laughs> yeah um, yeah but allowing them to ask themselves the question you know are you sure you're not hungry are you listening to all the things there are options here that you can choose from so I think that's that's really useful thinking about um Managing it, our own intuition as well as somebody else's. Yeah. I, sorry, go on before I. Yeah, I just yeah, I just wanted to to highlight that ultimately what we want to cultivate in our children is that that their own sense of trust in their own bodies, and that comes when they're not being pushed or forced or coerced in any way. Gosh, I've had quite a few conversations recently on this podcast. One was around, you know, intuition itself and us trusting our own intuition. Another one was with a beautiful ex-police officer talking to them, talking to us about keeping our child safe. And and it's the same thing. It's being able to feel empowered and being able to create our own boundaries and being able to express ourselves when we're not wanting to do something or when we're not feeling pushed, like we're not wanting to be pushed into doing something we don't want to do. 
Absolutely. And there are um, some interesting feeding practices, probably in the last sort of five or 10 years, like imagine a parent sitting down with a toddler and they're sharing a meal. Let's say it's, I don't know, yogurt and fruit. And the parent is saying, you know, oh, you know, oh, this is just so beautiful and it tastes so lovely. I'm really enjoying this. Have you tried that? How about you have just a little try? You don't have to eat the whole thing. You can just have a little lick or a smell or something like that. And it seems quite uh, benign, Mm. uh, that kind of approach and um, showing the child that you're really interested in the food and you're enjoying it. But imagine what that experience would be like for the child. If you've got someone, you're, you're feeling the sense of not quite Joy. desperation, but the parent, yeah. you're, you're feeling that the parent really wants you to eat that meal and really wants you to enjoy it. So I'd just be a little bit cautious about how how you do have those conversations and how um, your intention comes across to the child, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, expressing your delight in the, the choices and the meals and the options is more encouraging for them to lean into it rather than you need to eat this. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's come back to women looking after themselves then. And again, kind of under the umbrella of nourishment is the ultimate act of self-care. How can people best look after themselves when going through a difficult time? Um, Look, when I think about intuitive eating and I'm certainly naive to the practice and I'm, you know, my nutrition is not number one. I work out a lot, so I give myself excuses. But I would reach for jelly beans or chocolate or crisps, even when there's beautiful fruit and vegetable options in front of me. How thinking about, you know, I'm in a difficult place, these things are accessible. Ugh, I feel like shit, just want to make myself feel better. Yeah. How yeah. do we put some shortcuts in there to? Yes. Yep. So number one would be prioritise regular meals. And I know that sounds really, really, really boring, but if our body has is receiving regular nourishment, yeah. we're less likely to experience those big highs and lows in blood sugars and we're less likely to feel um, deprived or restricted and we're less likely to then you know, binge or or go for some of those those foods we don't want to be eating too often. Yeah. Um, so no one's giving breakfast. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I love that. Yeah. So it, you know, it's it feels like very boring advice, but that is it. Really, is the basis of um, a healthy, balanced diet really is those really nice regular meals snacks if you want to you don't have to it's only if you're actually feeling hungry between meals um so if you aren't in a place where you're having regular meals yet then bring your focus to that and maybe do a bit of meal planning come up with some quick and easy options um you know breakfast isn't too difficult usually lunches and dinners can be a little bit more difficult particularly if you're on your own um you know, uh, the freezer, I think, is one of the most handy things we can have and batch cooking something and portioning it out and popping into the freezer and just pulling out, um, yeah, a soup or a, a casserole or something like that. Um, 
The supermarkets these days have, you know, really nice um, salad bowls that we can add a bit of protein to, like some, you know, roast chicken or a tin of tuna or something basic like that. Um, so, yeah, give yourself a bit of time to sit down, brainstorm some quick and easy ideas. Um, I know from what worked for me was uh, having just lists of different types of meals, not particularly planned, but just on my fridge so that I could look at it when I was, you know, wondering what to eat and not not sure, and mm. I could just get some ideas from from that list. So that worked for me. Beautiful. And the freezer. Um, so, yes. To your needs, I guess. So when you were talking earlier about having the opportunity to pivot, so you might have planned something, but actually you need greater energy or you need, yeah, something saltier. Yes. So then lean into that. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. So regular meals, paying attention to yourself, I guess, and your needs. Yeah. Yes. So when it when you're approaching meal time, take a moment to to tap in and just give a, a quick sort of body scan self assessment. So how are you feeling? How are you actually um, feeling in terms of hunger? You know, are you, if we imagine a scale from zero to 10, zero being absolutely ravenous, 10 being stuffed full, you know, where are you on that scale? It doesn't actually really matter where you are. It's really just the practice of checking in and giving yourself a number. Um, and also asking yourself, what would feel really good in my body right now? And consider, like I said before, consider the texture, consider the temperature, you know, uh, is it a freezing cold day like it is here in Adelaide today? You know, is something warm and and hearty what I need? Or is my body asking for a crunchy salad um, or something a bit fresher and lighter? Or, like, how how is my stomach feeling? How's my gut feeling lower down? Am I feeling like I'm a bit blocked up if I had a few large meals in a row and I feel like something a little bit lighter so really looking inward and, and um, listening to what to what comes up and there is absolutely no right or wrong way of doing this and it takes a lot of practice like I said before yeah. Um, but yeah trying to think about which type of meal would be the most satisfying to you in that moment um, and consider all of those things let me ask you about that scale the scale of you know that, that body scan I'm feeling a three what about setting where you would like to be because I feel like 10 is a pretty unhealthy place to be if we're eating to a 10 all the time what, what should we be aiming for yeah yeah um, so you'd be aiming to feel to feel full and it's but not not a 10 full yeah yeah you're not you're not wanting to like undo your, your pants full <laughs> we're not aiming to feel uncomfortable we just want to feel that nice pleasant comfortable fullness and we want to feel okay stopping there yeah, and that comes so with a lot of extra work around you know permission to eat all foods and there's lot there's lots that goes into all of this um that we can't really cover it in a in a conversation but mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah we're, we're aiming to just feel very satisfied and very comfortable and okay I know that sounds like easier. It is easier said than done. It takes a lot of practice. Which honestly, you've said a couple of times it's boring or it takes practice. The same is true of finances. The same is true of, you know, activity or, you know, 
building a skill, the same is true of getting healthy or fit and healthy. You know, it's actually the fundamental, the stuff that we actually, you know, it's the the boring basic stuff. If you do it repeatedly, it becomes second nature. It becomes who you are. It becomes what you're good at. So I'm Mm. not scared of anything that's, that sounds boring because I'm like, okay, that's fundamental. Like, yeah, if I get into a habit of it, I don't even need to think about it anymore. So I'm yeah. the idea of, you know, bringing these new healthy practices in and just automated, you know, a bit like saying I love that. it becomes automated, sending some yeah. messages, it's automated. Um, yeah. And it's, and it, I guess um, I say it because it's very different to what diet culture tells us. Yeah. You know, dieting is... Um, kind of laced with a bit of adrenaline and power and control and um yeah so it's a bit of a a ride a bit of a rush you know when you make changes to your diet or your lifestyle and you start to see your weight coming down and you're achieving your goals you're getting the compliments you're starting to feel like um you know you're doing all the right things it's a massive rush it's a big rush of endorphins but unfortunately it doesn't last no, that's and, right. Yeah. And yeah. that idea of control actually is an illusion, isn't it? So, yes, you can control something for a certain amount of time, but unless you embed that behaviour and it becomes intuitive and it becomes part of who you are, then that idea of having to stay in control for so long so long, actually creates burnout. Nobody can it's hold amazing. the brain so tight for so long. It just doesn't, it's not yeah. healthy. It's not good for anything. It's a bit like breathing. You can't hold your breath forever and I I liken dieting to that you know we sure all of us can hold our breath for a short period of time but eventually you have to breathe and dieting is a lot like that because um our body needs to to eat normally and dieting isn't normal to the body the body sees dieting and restriction as something to be afraid of and it it can't tell the difference between dieting and famine right like it it really can't so um yeah it it makes lots of changes on a very um uh biochemical level you know we don't have a lot of control over what happens um in our body and it it makes these adjustments to promote the weight gain again afterwards so yeah well yeah that's right super useful I feel like I've got a lot to take in a lot that I've taken away I would love for people to be able to reach out to you how can they find you so they can find me if they're on Instagram um peaceful eating project is uh, my handle on Instagram or on my website so www.peacefuleatingproject.com.au um yeah feel free to reach out if you've got any questions or anything you have an you online program do. don't you i yeah. do i'm building it at the moment so i'm looking to launch it in september that's what i'm aiming for at the moment but at the moment it just keeps getting bigger and bigger i just want to keep adding so much into it because i'm just so passionate about this area and I just want to give everyone all the information so um I'm aiming for September (laughs) don't let us get too overwhelmed with it yeah I'm gonna have to make it manageable Um, yeah that's right so people can can work with you one-on-one soon there'll be an online program presumably you've got a download on your website that people can access what's that 
So that's about um, identifying food rules. So Mm -hmm. a lot of us uh, carry around rules that we have around food and eating. So it might be uh, that you can't eat after a certain time of day or you can only eat a certain number of um, calories or can't eat carbs, all these sorts of things. And one of the first steps towards eating intuitively is releasing all of those food rules. It's It's really difficult takes time um but wow is it empowering and in and just so enjoyable when you can allow yourself to eat what what you really want what your body needs beautiful Sarah thank you so much obviously I will link your Instagram and your website um to this episode thanks so much for spending some time with us I so much appreciate it and so very welcome yeah thanks take care Sarah thanks you too Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at dodivorceright. I look forward to connecting with you there.